these AI algorithms are going to make things possible that we didn't think were possible. And so it's almost to me like being able to take a fully baked birthday cake and take out just the eggs. Yeah. To me, it's black magic. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Getting Pacific, where we get specific on trending topics straight from the newsroom at Taiwan Plus. I am Joey Chow. I am Trevor Tordemasi, and I am a human. <laughs> yes, so am I. In case you're wondering why we said that, because it has something to do with our episode today. For our first episode of Getting Pacific, we're looking into a topic on everybody's lips. News of artificial intelligence is trending around the world, including here in the Taiwan Plus newsroom, which is why we're getting specific about its effects on some of the industries we keep close to our hearts. So we have some headlines recently in Taiwan Plus News, like Taiwan looking to use AI in medical research, AI sound recognition tools identifying animals. We have Taiwan scientists brewing tea with AI, <laughs> and uh, the list goes on. It's all over the place. So Joey and I have spent years working in radio. So for one, we'd really like to find out if AI could eventually replace jobs in radio journalism or if will be replaced as possible. Podcasters, uh-oh. Imagine that. We've just gotten started and then we've gotten our jobs taken away by AIs. Uh, given that I've been a radio jockey for more than a decade, I'm especially concerned about the effects of AI and music. So we reached out to radio hosts, musicians alike, BBC hosts, and singers from the USA and Ireland and many more. And that'll lead us right into some complicated questions we might have to answer moving forward. But before we delve into where AI is going, let's quickly touch on where it came from. So artificial intelligence has a very complicated history, but today I'm going to try and make it quiz. I mean, quick. I mean, quiz. <laughs> Joey, uh, I have a quick quiz for okay. you. First question. Uh, we'll kick it off real simple. When do you think was the first instance of artificial intelligence? Oh my gosh. I'm going to say right around the time when computers were invented. Right around the time when computers were invented is actually probably the best guess you can make. It's only less than 100 years old. Artificial intelligence needs pretty heavy amounts of computing to function. The first computer wasn't successfully built until 1943 in the Second World War, and it weighed 27 metric tons, and they called it the iPhone point zero zero zero. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it was the electronic numerical integrator and computer, and we ended up just sticking with that last word. Okay, so it's 1943, and we have a computer, but it's not artificial intelligence. And that's because to have artificial intelligence, we need more than just thinking. AI has to be able to reason, to plan, and possibly, most importantly, to learn. I'm not even sure if I have the ability to think, reason, and learn on some days. Yeah, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, some Sundays you wake up like that. Exactly. Just gotta drink lots of water. Uh, I won't go into it any more than that. So the Ferranti Mark I, widely recognized as one of the first machines to have working AI, was programmed to play a game. What game? was that? I'll give you a clue. It's not Mahjong. It's probably not Mahjong. It's probably not a poker game. What I understand, the first iterations of AI were mostly used to play chess. I'm going to guess chess. Yes, you are so close. Chess was the second game. Oh. Uh, as far as we can tell, the first one was checkers. Oh, of course. But you know what? It's kind of the same. Yeah. You know, chess uh, Chess players hate this one trick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, checkers. And later, of course, they added chess. So AI isn't super smart yet, but it's getting closer to the core of today's episode. Mm. One of the most 
famous names in computing history, and AI is Alan Turing. You may have heard of him. Uh, he was recently portrayed by Benedict Cumberbatch in the yes. movie The Imitation Game. Yeah. Uh, good watch. Go see it. Uh, and one of the many things that Alan Turing is famous for is his idea of the Turing test. So, Joey, our final question, what do you know about the Turing test? I think the gist of it is that if a computer-generated intelligence can somehow fool you into thinking that you're talking to a human being, then you've passed the Turing test. So does that sound about right? Did I pass the Turing test? Yeah, no, we're both definitely human. So uh, yeah, but a computer doing that, essentially saying that if a machine can engage in a conversation with a human mind without being detected as a machine, mm. uh, then it has demonstrated human intelligence. So is a game of checkers a conversation? Uh, we could get into philosophy with that, but moving on with words, it was much harder for machines to convince anyone that they were people. That is until 2001, when a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy named Eugene Gustman passed the Turing test. And that's because Eugene was actually a chatbot made by three scientists in Russia. His artificial intelligence even apologized for making spelling mistakes. Wow. So here we are in present day, and AI can fool us in a game of checkers or by typing through a computer. But... Can it fool us with sound? Mm, yeah, that's a completely different story. And for that, I caught up with the host of BBC's show Arts Hour. Her name is Nikki Beatty. Not only is she a veteran TV and radio show host, she's also spent the better part of the last decade interviewing and visiting artists as well as musicians from around the world. She recently paid Taiwan a visit and we caught up with her to find out about her view on AI. Well, I mean, the creative industry is such a wide umbrella under which so many different factions exist. And as you know, the Hollywood writers strike, which is now on its hundredth day as we record this interview, uh, was joined by actors because they do not want any AI replacing them or adding and warping anything that they put out there on celluloid or in digital forms. They are taking a stand on that. I don't see yet that Radio GPT is a thing. <laughs> I mean, it could research for us, couldn't it? It could maybe write little introductions, but your wit, your humor, your ability to come back at me with something really zinging and funny and insightful, that is not there yet. And also, I don't know whether you find this, obviously I'm doing this from the UK, you're in Taiwan. If I were in your radio studio, there is something magical that happens. It's like the atoms change in a room when you are opposite a person. You read body language, you read a twitch in my eye and you know something has affected me or changed the way I'm perceiving something. Mm. That can't happen that quickly. Right. And humor, the humor bit is just not there yet. Mm. That's true. But who knows? I mean, a roboticized voice. Well, I don't like roboticized voices. So on the radio, if you're live, you want a voice with textures and not algorithms and automation. But it's coming. And it may happen in your lifetime, but I'm an old broad, so it might not happen in mine. <laughs> oh, she's so British, isn't she? <laughs> I'm an old broad. Uh, I'm just really flattered that she said I have wit, humor, and zinging comebacks, or at least she assumes that I do. That's what they pay you for. Uh, and AI, thankfully, can't replace you there yet. But um, it's getting more and more convincing mm. as it begins to pass the Turing test more and more, even sometimes without passing, just as long as it's close enough, it 
is beginning to replace people in the way they educate and market and translate and even in the way we speak. Yeah, AI can already imitate human speech patterns, but can it actually create a radio show or a podcast that people would want to listen to? I mean, I, for example, have been testing to see if I could automate my radio show production process. I asked ChatGPT to write me like a hundred word paragraph on a certain artist, Eminem, for example, and I give it instructions like, be factual, but stay colloquial, uh, be professional, but light humored. And it just ends up sounding like an awkward teenager hosting their first radio show. So I think there's still a bit of a way to go there. I tried to have my voice cloned. There is this app called Descript. And I try to have a mimic of my voice, but it just sounds very monotonous. So I really don't think AI is quite there yet to replace a radio personality. Yeah, they're not like you need to be able to reason to think and uh, it needs to be able to reason to think and to learn. And I don't think they're really learning so much as they're copying really, 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 really well. But that's a radio show, you know, like something that we can all agree requires a lot of personality, as we said. What about music? You know, music gets its style from performance, but music at its very core is math, some would say. So we've approached a music producer, singer, someone who's actively involved in AI music generation, and someone who's marketing music. And that's all coming up in just a little bit. But first off, we have a conversation with Porter Robinson, who's one of those new age artists who actually uses AI to make music. It's almost like living in a world where a kind of strange magic suddenly became real. Because like, for the longest time, it was completely impossible with music to just separate out the acapella. You, can, you take a full track of music and just pull out the vocal or just pull out the drums. AI stem separation can do that, right? To me, that's like being able to take a fully baked birthday cake and take out just the eggs. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's black magic. These AI algorithms are going to make things possible that we didn't think were possible. And so it's almost to me like if I could have my choice, I would rather live in a world where magic doesn't become real. It's, I think it's very natural and human to have a fear of the unknown, and AI is massively unknown. Mm, what do you think, Trevor? I really liked his uh, analogy about taking a cake and extracting only the egg. I mean, that in music is something really amazing we can do now. We can, with AI, we can uh, extract what we call stems, and those are essentially like taking the whole song and taking the guitar out, and we can use those in other songs, or we can change them, we can modify them, we can even take out people's voices. Like what happened earlier this year, um, you've heard of the Beatles? Mm. Well, before the Beatle John Lennon's death in 1980, he had left behind an unfinished song, which many assumed then could never truly be completed. But earlier this year, the surviving Beatle, Sir Paul McCartney, and his producers used artificial intelligence to extract John's voice out of the older songs and recreate enough of it to fill in John's final verses. It's called Now and Then, and it is widely regarded as the Beatles' final song. Oh, no. See, that's after years of being a radio jockey, reading all about, you know, people bringing artists like Tupac, Michael Jackson, Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley back to life, quote-unquote, via hologram. I really think that they should just let the legacy of musicians be their own making while they were alive and stop tampering with the dead. And to call it the Beatles' final song, I don't know if John Lennon would agree with that. So for this, we spoke with Teddy Duan. He has worked with Rock Records here in Taiwan, which is a very well-established record company. And he's also started his own company. And what they do is AIGC. That's Artificial Intelligence Generated Content. And let's see what he has to say about Sir Paul McCartney and John Lennon's last Beatles song. 
for us, like Astro fans, we will be a little bit disappointing because we knew it isn't created by John Lennon himself. And we could never see anyone perform the song in life. I'm, I'm pretty negative about this topic because maybe 10 years after when AI became really popular and it became great music, you don't even figure out it's created by AI. Then how can human creators compete with, with AI for, for the next generation? So as long we can listen to some of like drums and guitar with our earphone. But the songs doesn't have stories or, or anything contains in it. It is just some random songs generated by AI, but uses their voices. Yeah, see what I mean? The stories. Forget about the fact that Paul and John had a huge falling out due to creative differences and that John is probably turning over in his grave about this song being released. More importantly, when you take the unfinished work of a profound songwriter like John Lennon and reduce him to simply his vocal likeness, you lose the stories he's trying to tell. It's like the Marvel movies. They're characters who had depth in the original comics, but when they make it to the silver screen, it just becomes a heavily CGI'd, action-packed, hot mess that sells a bazillion dollars. Hey, just to counterpoint, I enjoy some of that hot mess, but <laughs> I do get exactly what you mean. Yeah, that leads us into some of the stranger recent news. Staying in music, a mysterious TikTok user called Ghostwriter uploaded a song with vocals from the pop stars Drake and The Weeknd, but the voices were just clones entirely generated by AI. Naturally, this sparked quite a significant amount of backlash from record labels, and the video was taken down on all platforms, but no one knows who Ghostwriter is yet, and the video just keeps getting uploaded. And honestly, man, if you're into hip-hop, the song kind of slaps. But you can still find copied uploads of the song on YouTube. It's called Heart on My Sleeve. But the story goes even deeper than that. The song has now officially been submitted to the Grammy Awards in a category for songwriters rather than song performers. And the CEO of the Recording Academy, Harvey Mason Jr., says since the lyrics themselves were indeed written by Ghostwriter 77, they are indeed eligible for nomination. Now, just to keep things in perspective, this doesn't mean the song with AI voice clones will win, but it does mean that any aspects of the final product that were fueled purely by human creativity are still eligible for awards. Earlier, I mentioned that AI needs to be able to reason, to plan, and to learn. But some say another factor of artificial intelligence is its ability to not just create, but be creative. And I don't think AI is truly creative yet. That creativity still has to come from us. No one knows if or when that will change. So the whole music business is pretty concerned about how come like a random guy on the internet can use our data and train and create a song published on YouTube and get millions of views. First, we don't know who the guy is and maybe he's making profit from YouTube, but the profit should be at least should be shared with the copyright holders, maybe the record company or the singer, the creator. But there's also a problem, but we don't know how many songs or which songs you actually use to train your AI model. How, how do we define if this 30 second clips are actually trained by maybe the Beatles, I mean, 10% from the Beatles, 5% from Michael Jackson, 15% from a random guy, we don't know. 
it's, it's really hard to track like how how the content is generated. Yeah, so the story about Ghostwriter is controversial mainly because he or she actually made money by putting this content on YouTube. Every time you get a click, you get paid a certain amount, and. AI is very hard to regulate in that sense. Exactly how much you should pay for royalties when you have AI put through a training process to mimic the likeliness of, let's say, Drake and The Weeknd. Um, it's hard to say, hey, did you use one song to train the AI, or did you use the entire repertoire? And if you did, you should pay for it. You know, so it's hard to say how much you should pay. Yeah, and a quick sidestep. You know, all that stuff going on in Hollywood with writers striking and, and actors want to retain the rights to their likenesses. They don't want to be reused. And musicians, it's the same thing. Um, I do feel like everyone should own their face and their voice. So, you know, this thing being submitted for a Grammy award for a writing award, I think that's kind of a fun exercise in allowing someone to be recognized for the work they did do. But the fact that he used those voices in it, I think is still pretty problematic. But on the upside, AI is also allowing musicians to get work done faster. Just like you might ask ChatGPT to write you an essay. You can also ask AI to make a quick, dirty draft of a song idea and build or share it from there yourself. But that also makes it easier for non-musicians to make music, which is awesome and wholesome. Even I could make a song. <laughs> I'm not good at music, but is that good for the industry? I mean, everyone deserves a voice, right? Absolutely. And if this helps give people a voice in an in industry that maybe they didn't originally have a voice, that's cool. Uh, but then we have to find out how to use it responsibly. Some people are calling this the democratization of music, but others are saying it's beginning to cause a flood in the music market with people beginning to wonder what's real and what's not. And at this point, we are way past the Turing test. I really like that phrase, democratization of music. It's like everybody gets to take part in it with or without musical knowledge, with or without the ability to play a musical instruments or sing at pitches that most people can't. But when it comes to that, certain artists have come out and really spoken against democratization of music. For example, Damon Auburn, who is a part of the band Blur and is also the co-creator of the virtual band Gorillaz, he literally said, and I quote, AI music is a grotesque mockery of what it is to be human, which is quite serious. Yeah, I think calling it grotesque is a bit of a hot take, but I do agree that when people use AI to pass it off as look at all this work I did and they didn't do any work, they just used the AI, I think that is kind of gross. But when people are using AI to assist them in saying something that they couldn't have said before, I think that's a, a different kind of thing that that is worthy of respect. So it depends on what you do with it. It really does. AI is a tool, as some of our interviews continue to reiterate, that it depends on how you use it. Ed Sheeran, who has always said that the music industry is a well-oiled machine, if you know how to work it, it could definitely benefit you, the music creator. Damon Auburn and Ed Sheeran, they're both signed under Warner Music Label, and we actually had a chance to speak with the former marketing director of Warner Music Taiwan, and Warner Music Malaysia. Her name is Carol Chu, and I asked her how AI is helping with music marketing. Integrating AI has really shaped the way we market music. It offers innovative ways to identify as well as improve audience targeting, and it really just basically helps us to understand our consumer behavior more, right? So not only are we able to, through the use of AI, personalize marketing campaigns by really analyzing the user data and their usage patterns, but we are also able to gauge the sentiments of our artist's work and really recommend new songs to new users who are more likely to enjoy 
it on the streaming platforms. It is also very common for us to use chatbots for better fan engagement. So a chatbot would allow us to automatically reply to fans and provide them with the information they need. For example, it could be related to an artist's songs, where do they get the merchandise, you know, you can have automated links and direct them to a particular website platform, like a landing page. So there you go, right back to where we started, that the first iteration of AI that passed a Turing test was an, a Russian chatbot called Eugene, right? Mm-hmm. And now it seems like at least that piece of technology is still very useful when it comes to the marketing of music. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's not a one-sided conquest by artificial intelligence. It's like more of like a revolving door as AI is passing the Turing test in new ways, and then it's retroactively failing as the human mind fights back by learning how to recognize it, and then it passes the Turing test in a new way, and it just keeps going around and around. But the recurring human theme seems to be a respect and a desire for authenticity. We want it to be real. Well, there's good and bad of AI, and licensing and royalties seem to be the biggest problems, but it seems authenticity is yet to be replaced by AI in both radio and in music. Trevor and I were just gleeful to find out that our jobs as radio journalists and podcasters are not likely to be replaced by AI just quite yet, but for our musician friends, uh, maybe there is more of a worry as we talked about music production, how the existence of AI-generated content is starting to replace the jobs of musicians, and that's what we fear the most, right? To have our jobs replaced. So as a final thought, will artificial intelligence and music lead us to a beautifully leveled playing field for anyone who wants to make a song, or to a diluted landscape overflowing with cheap copies and no distinct identity? Think on that, and then go write a song about it. Well said, Trevor. And if you want to discuss with us what you think about AI and music, or if there are ways that AI is being utilized well or poorly from your country of origin, you can reach out to us. I can be found on Facebook at Joey Taipei. And Trevor, how do we find you? I'm Trebotsky on Instagram and everywhere else. And if you want to find more content from Taiwan Plus, go to taiwanplus.com or follow them on YouTube and Instagram. And that does it for our first episode of Getting Pacific. I have been Joey. I have been Trevor. And a human. Are you... Really, though. (laughs) See you guys next time. See you later. (laughs) 